1: Hello, hello. Welcome to week 42 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast, where we go out of our way to see almost all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you, the listener, don't have to.
0: Yes, that's right, Craig, we try our best, and it's a very busy one this week, and we'll be kicking off the show with our review of Bombshell, directed by Jay Roach, starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. We'll also be taking
1: a look into A Hidden Life, directed by Terrence Malick, and he returns with a World War II film with a twist.
0: Next up is Seaberg, Director Benedict Andrews directs Christian Stewart as the renowned French New Wave actress Jean Seberg. Following on, we'll be delving into the fantastic Parasite directed by Bong Joon-ho. I'll then be going hand Solo with two reviews, Just Mercy starring Jamie Foxx, Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson, and then Waves directed by Trey Edward-Schultz starring Taylor Russell and Kevin Harrison Jr. We'll Kelvin then- Harrison Jr., sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we'll then be reunited
1: for Bad Boys for Life, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence.
0: And finally, if we both haven't died, (laughs) we'll be exploring a personal history of David Copperfield with a stellar cast including Dev Patel, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Peter Capaldi and Gwendolyn Christie. That's right, it's the only thing longer (laughs) than The Irishman. Week 42 of the Film Review Podcast. And The Irishman was long. Craig, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. And very excited, I believe. Yes,
1: very, very excited. I have a new piece of equipment, so if the show sounds very different, uh, that's because we're using new things, new recorders, new, new tools to make the show even better. And there's lots
0: of shiny things and bright flashing lights and lots of buttons that I'm not allowed to press. Yes,
1: you're not allowed to touch any of this, David.
0: And uh, I thought I'd kick off the show by saying a few things uh, on the back of week 41. Firstly, I I checked my Monzo account. I didn't spend £600 on McDonald's. Right. I spent just under £300, and I felt like I had to come on air and just clarify that, because when I listened back to the show, I did think that £600 was a lot of money, and I did check it, and it was just under £300, which is still a lot of money on fast food for a man who's supposed to be on a diet, and I get a lot of stick from my work colleagues about that. I mean, you've been on a diet for how long? Well, the diet's off.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like how long? <laughs> I'm going to throw quotation marks in the air for our listeners who can't
0: see. Uh, how long have you been uh, on a diet for? for? For many, many months, to the, to the laughter of my, my wonderful colleagues at work. And I do have to have a little bit of a moan. Craig, I'm currently caffeinated up to the eyeballs. I've had my regular can of Monster before recording. But I found out, and listen to this, mm-hmm. at work for the last 18 months, I have been drinking decaf coffee intentionally or unintentionally unintentionally my colleagues swap the caffeinated and the decaffeinated coffee around when our order comes in so for the last 18 months they've had great pleasure (laughs) seeing me walk up to the kettle (laughs) brewing myself a hot dark black coffee only for them to know and not for me to know that it's actually decaffeinated brilliant how did you work that one out Eventually they buckled and laughed after I said I'd had a couple of, couple, of, couple of cups of the dark stuff and said how invigorated I felt. And it was obviously the placebo effect <laughs> because it was completely uncaffeinated <laughs> stuff. Oh, um, David. So yeah, my caffeine addiction maybe isn't as bad as we thought because I have but but now the worst bit is is that I go into work and I drink the decaf coffee what? because intentionally I, now. intentionally because I believe that the decaf is actually the caffeinated stuff but what if it isn't? What if they've swapped it back? What if I what I may have to do is just buy my own coffee and take it in because I will never know and damn you work employees and colleagues. I hope they continue to deceive you because I think it's I think drinking coffee the way you drink it, it's dangerous
1: it's dangerous now I know I drink a lot of coffee I do drink a lot of lattes throughout the day with a, with a hazelnut shot in there it as well
0: including the Starbucks that I unfortunately spilt in the studios my apologies sorry dad oh yeah don't tell your old man about that <laughs> um, before we kick off the show I think it's important to talk a little bit about the BAFTA's mm. Um 1917 had an absolutely incredible BAFTA's it was nominated for seven nominated for nine awards won seven of them including outstanding British film sound production design cinematography uh, special visual effects best director and best film and it really has made it the one to beat now Uh, If you haven't listened to episode three of Road to the Oscars, that is available to listen to now. I thoroughly recommend listening to that. That was recorded before the BAFTAs, Mm. but we do discuss almost all of the categories in quite extensive detail and also give you a bit of a preview on the betting. Yes. um, During the BAFTA Zoo, let's just talk a little bit
1: about it. It was a little bit woeful, wasn't it?
0: I'm, I have a a few things to moan about the BAFTAs. Firstly, they're not live. So I follow a lot of film critics, a lot of people who are in the inner film circle. So they were actually at the BAFTAs and they were tweeting and a lot of the results were leaked. So I actually had to go off of film Twitter and wait for the for the recorded ceremony. And they don't show all of the categories. They miss quite a few of them out, mm. which I think is quite offensive to the people who have dedicated their time and their careers to and, and get these awards and don't even get the recognition. So I think BAFTA should be live. Mm. I think it should be a longer ceremony. Also, I love Graham Norton. I think Graham Norton is a brilliant chat show host and he's normally very, very good. And he was still Graham Norton, but I thought the script that they gave him was very, very wonky.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the speeches were quite wonky, weren't they? They? And I mean the, the the speeches that were I don't know scripted for them before yeah. they introduced some of them were terrible. They were really bad. But I mean there were three that stood out for us. Mm. Uh and in the order that they went, uh
0: Brad Pitt. Well Brad Pitt made a speech via Margot Robbie and it was just brilliant. Only Brad Pitt, I tweeted this from the Is It Worth It uh, Twitter account, and if you don't follow us, please do. Um only Brad Pitt could steal the show without actually being there. What he said um, about Brexit, what he said about Mexit was just really, really funny. Um, and also, yeah, Craig, there was a couple of other speeches you wanted to touch upon as well.
1: Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix did do an extraordinary speech, but he just started off very wonky. I don't think he came across very fluid, mm. but the words that he did choose were delicately done and it did it
0: had a very poignant point mm. to it, and I think he did very well in that respect. He looked like a slightly troubled man in the sense that he, he knew exactly what he, what he wanted to said, and he was calling out the hashtag BAFTA so white and talking about how there needs to be more inclusive, inclusivity um, within the industry. But you could see him struggling to to not say the words, but to, to stand up at an award ceremony where you've just won an award and basically say the people who have nominated me and everyone else should be ashamed of themselves is really, really quite powerful. And I do commend it for him. I thought his first speech at the golden globes was very all over the place. Mm. Um, but his speech at the critics choice award was brilliant. His speech at the BAFTAs was very, very powerful. But what about rebel Wilson? What did you think of her speech? Well, it,
2: it was a <laughs> bit awful,
0: but at the same time, it, it was, was brilliant. It was fantastic, but also terrible. Um, it was, it was overall. Look, I'm really looking forward to Oscars Sunday on Sunday, february the 9th or early monday february 10th here in the uk um but no i think the baftas need to look at themselves look at who they're nominating why they're being nominated it doesn't it, it, it there were people of you know that could have been nominated uh, that weren't and i think bafta has to you know look at itself and congratulations to joaquin for calling out and i think it should be live as well
1: yes um going back to to the Oscars, Oscar Sunday we are going to be doing, or attempting to do something with that, we are going to try and live stream some kind of video thing uh, Mm. to YouTube where uh, you guys can follow along with us uh, watching the results as they come in and us discussing what's going on Um, but then we will be doing a a Road to the Oscars end of the road show Mm. where we'll be recapping everything that happened, discussing it with Floss as well in the studio uh, and it will be our final, final episode of Road to the Oscars season one I suppose um, but there are some other specials coming yeah. out as well. We have the Star Wars special that's going to be coming out fairly soon, um, Monday the 19th, I believe. That's Wednesday the 19th. Wednesday the 19th, sorry. Um, and also Topical Talk. That has just arrived today, um, which is. What is the day today? All oh, the days seem to merge into one. Today? It's Wednesday, isn't it? It's Wednesday, uh, and that came out the t- 5th of February. There we go. So Topical Talk episode one came out today, Wednesday the 5th of February. Um, and then we're going to have a second episode this month as well. We we're supposed to do one a month, but... The first episode didn't quite come out as quickly as we'd hope. Mm. Um, But uh, the Topical Talk episode two will be out on February the 14th for Valentine's Day because it will be a theme that relates to Valentine's Day very much so,
0: and it's romance. Yes, so we're all going to be doing exactly what we did in the first episode where we select two films, bring them to the table, say why we think they're the best romantic films of all time, we'll all vote, and at the end we will conclude with one film that will go alongside... Um, the Shawshank Redemption and hopefully at the end of the 12 shows and the 12 themes we will have 12 themes 12 films one from each theme that we recommend you the wonderful listener watches indeed um, so without further ado though let's get on with the main show indeed and how do we kick that off Craig? The Box Office Rundown
2: This is the
0: Box Office Rundown, brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast.
1: That's right, it's the Box Office Rundown for the 31st of January 2020 to the 2nd of February 2020, and we're going to kick off at our usual
0: spot, which is number 10. Uh, David, what is it? So, Craig, in at number 10 is The Lighthouse. At the weekend, it grossed £384,000. That is its total gross because it has only been out uh, very, very recently. Neither of us have seen this film yet, Craig, but just talk a little bit, very briefly, about the the type of camera and film that's used and why you're so excited about this film. Well, it's shot... I think it's shot on 8mm, but
1: it's certainly shot in black and white Mm. film, Um, and it's very intriguing. The trailer looks fantastic. Um, Toby has been to see it, and he says... You've just got to go and see it. It's fantastic. Um, I am really looking forward to seeing it. Um, But we're not going to talk that much about it, to be honest with you, because we're going to be reviewing it on week 43 of the podcast. Fantastic. Craig, what do we have in at number nine? We have Porgy and Bees. It's a Met Opera um, from the Met. Metropolitan theatre, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll be it- honest, I'm not 100% sure <laughs> no. either. Uh, it's an opera. Um, we haven't seen it, and we won't be going to see it. I think it's only. it was only out for one day over the weekend anyway. Uh, it grossed £409,000, um,
0: and that is its total gross as well. Um Good for it. Well done. Um, Congratulations. Like Craig said, we won't be reviewing it. So we will move swiftly on to number eight. And number eight is A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Again, that's not been out that long. Its weekend gross was £493,000. That is its total gross. Starring the fantastic Tom Hanks. I've heard great things about this film. I've heard it's a real powerful, uplifting, tear-jerking film. Again, uh, I don't want to tempt fate, but I imagine we'll be reviewing that on week 43 of... Is it worth it, the <laughs> film review <a> podcast? <laughs> yes, we will be. We Craig will is be. nodding at me, so I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Yes. Um, and above that is a f- another film we'll potentially be viewing on week 43. What is it, Craig, in it's, at number seven? It's Queen and Slim. Uh, there was an unlimited
1: screening for this last month. Um, we didn't actually manage to go and see that. We've been really, really busy, and we have been struggling in some respects to to get round to seeing everything. Um, so we do apologise if uh, a lot of the films that are on this week's episode have already been out in the cinema and perhaps have gone out of the cinema but we felt it was important to review them anyway because um, that's what we do um, but Queen and Slim it took £507,000 or just over that um, and that is its total gross as well because it's only been out for one week um, but yes, number 6 David
0: yeah, so in at number 6 is Jumanji, the next level, at the weekend that grossed £597,000 a total uh, in um, intake, a total profit, a total, whatever I'm trying to say, it's totaled £34,326,248 it has done very very well in the box office I imagine there will be a third one like we said on uh, when we reviewed it does it go to the next level in some ways yes in some ways no It, it was a very satisfactory follow up to the original and I'm very much looking forward to the third one
1: yes uh, me too Uh, in at number 5 we have The Gentleman Uh, that's taken £597,000 over the weekend it's total gross is over £10,000,000 it's done very well Guy Ritchie directs uh, it's got a stellar cast with Matthew McConaughey Hugh Grant uh, Charlie Hunnam a a a plethora of fantastic Mm. actors and actresses and it is very funny Um, lots of swearing but you know what it's an 18 so who cares Um, but it's great and it was really entertaining and a real popcorn and drink slurping kind of film although don't do that in the cinema because I get annoyed with noises (laughs) um but yeah no a a really really great movie David number four please
0: yeah I just want to say The Gentleman was fantastic 100% worth it go and see it and if it when it comes out on DVD buy it Guy Ritchie I commend you brilliant film in at number four we have Little Women that has a weekend take of 659,000 uh its total gross is just under 20 million pounds. Yeah. I think Craig enjoyed this film more than I did, um, but I would commend it for a fantastic screenplay, obviously an adapted screenplay, um, some brilliant performances, probably a show-stealing performance, and ultimately an Oscar nomination for Florence Pugh.
1: Yes, Uh, sorry, Uh, (laughs) just dozing off there. Yes, I did want to mention Greta Gerwig as a director here. I think she's done an absolutely fantastic job of directing and adapting the screenplay as well. And I really, I don't know if she's going to win the adapted screenplay at the Oscars, but I would like to definitely see her take that home if she can. Mm. Um, But I think that will probably go to Parasite, if I'm honest. Uh, actually, I, no, not adapted screenplay. That was original screenplay. Yeah, isn't it?
0: Uh, adapted. I think Jojo Rabbit is the favourite. Yeah, I think you're right. It took that at the baths, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Jojo Rabbit is the current favourite in that category. But Little Women does have a, a very, very big shout. Its main chance of winning an Academy Award is actually in the costume um, category. Uh, it's it's a short price favourite to do very well there. And come on, Florence
1: Pugh. I know you're not going to win it, but I would
0: love to see her well, win look, it. I think. For Florence Pugh, to have Florence Pugh Academy Award nominee now on the trailers, she is, along with Saoirse Ronin, she has an Academy Award in her future. She is a very talented actress. She's had a brilliant year. And Florence, I, n- I know you're listening. Um, we, we, <laughs> we wish. We, well, we you hope. never know. You never know. Um, I had a dream that Donald Trump listened to our podcast once. It was very bizarre. Um, he was a big yeah. fan, big fan, huge fan. Great podcast. <laughs> um Yeah. So Florence Pugh, brilliant job, Little Women, um, worth seeing. Craig enjoyed it more than I did. Good surmise so nice there. Um, in at number three, we have The Personal
1: History of David Copperfield. We're going to be reviewing that on this week's episode. We won't say much more than that, but it took at the weekend £1 million or over £1 million. Its total gross is over £3 million, closer to four. Um, and yeah, we will be reviewing it on this week's episode.
0: Yes, and in at number two is another film we will be reviewing on this week's episode and it is Bad Boys for Life. At the weekend it grossed just under £2 million. Its total gross is £11 million, £287,270. Uh, I think I said that wrong but you know what I mean. Uh, we <laughs> won't say too much about this film other than I was very much looking forward to seeing it and we will be reviewing it on this week's show. So
1: then, in at number one It's 1917. Mm. Well-deserved, definitely. Uh, It took over £2 million at the weekend. Well, closer to £3 million, which is a staggering amount of money Mm. for a weekend taking. Um, It's totaled... Over £31,000... 30, you always yeah, say 1000 yeah. I know. £31 million or 31 and a half a million million. Yeah. There we go. We'll say that instead. Um, <laughs> well-deserved. It really did. It cleaned up at the Bathurst, as we mentioned <clears throat> earlier. And I hope it will clean up at the Oscars as well because it's just so well-deserved. It's a brilliant movie. Sam Mendes has outdone himself. Um, and everything from the acting to the cinematography is just perfection, in my yeah. eyes anyway. Yeah.
0: Very, very, very good
1: film indeed. Um, So, David, then, would you like to do our box office rundown in the usual fashion from 10 to 1?
0: Yes, in at number 10, we have The Lighthouse. Nine is Porgy and Bess Met Opera 2020. Eight, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Seven, Queen and Slim. Six, Jumanji, The Next Level. Five, The Gentleman. Four, Little Women. Three, The Personal History of David Copperfield. Two, Bad Boys for Life. And at the top of the pile... 1917.
1: So we're going to be kicking off the show with our uh, first review, which is Bombshell. Uh, This is based on the real scandal. Uh, Bombshell is a revealing look inside the most powerful and controversial media empire of all time, Fox News, and the explosive story of the women who brought down the infamous infamous man who created it. Um, Without further ado, let's take a little listen to a clip. No one
2: really wins by suing Fox News. It's been our experience that once you go public in your job, no one will hire you. If you're able to stick it out at Fox, gather more evidence, you might be able to sue Ailes himself instead of Fox. And that is why I'm here. Because Marty Hyman told me that over here in New Jersey, I can avoid arbitration by suing Roger personally. He says that you've managed to change the law and that we could call other women and show a pattern. Will other women come forward? Yes, they will. You live and work in New York. Roger has a house in Burden County where he stays when he can't make it upstate. You do your homework, Miss Carlson? No fingerprints. That's how much I practiced the violin as a child. If Roger finds out you came to us, he won't just fire you. Mm. He will bang us with a million dollar lawsuit. He will attack you personally. These men, they care more about their reputations than they do money. Roger won't stop. Oh, I know. You know that. Mm-hmm.
1: Colleagues you admire will say publicly you're a superior, ambitious woman who's suing because her career's stalled. Let him. So that was a clip from the movie. There, uh, Jay Roach is the director here. Uh, Jay has been uh, a director for many years. Um, his his uh, list of films are not really going to be well known to most people, but one of his most notable is going to be Austin Powers in Gold Member and Meet the Fockers as well. Um, most of the Austin Power films are the ones that he's directed as well. Um, so. He, to move on to something like Bombshell is a real difficult kind of movie to get his teeth into. Um, but let's look at the Rotten Tomato stats to begin with. Um, the audience score is 70% uh, with over 200. That's the critic score. Sorry, the critic (laughs) score is 70%, with over 281 critics uh, being fed into the system there. Uh, The audience score is 84%, uh, with over 6,000 ratings from that. And I think it's important for us to state these Mm. things, actually, because if a film has less uh, participation in terms of voting and uh, aggregating the scores, it will affect sort of how the movie comes out on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah um so we've decided to start including that in there um but this movie is a little bit of a difficult one for maybe for us to to try and review mainly because of its uh of its subject matter it's a really important one and we really want to get it right I
2: suppose
0: Mm, yeah I think the best place to start is like you said with those Rotten Tomato scores they are very very solid 70 percent from the critics 84 percent from the audience and I think where I want to begin with this film is just to say that the acting is sensational um, with Charlize Theron stealing the show uh, as Megan Kelly a little interesting fact for you Craig and the listeners she actually spent time with a vocal coach to nail the voice and eventually lost her voice for around three weeks uh, she does receive a Best Actress nomination and rightly so um, I think it's possibly the best performance of the year uh, after Renee Zellweger I know Renee Zellweger is a very short price favourite and will win the Oscar but I do just want to say that I thought Sholly's Theron was sensational the whole cast was but particularly her and like you said it's 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 a difficult subject matter because it's looking at the toxic work environment and particularly sexual harassment um inside Fox News um I think the writer Charles Randolph has a great script and and for me Craig the story unfolded almost like a, a page turning book mm. i thought the pace was really good and as it developed you just got more and more uh captivated by this story and you really rooting for the characters because what was happening within fox news and what still happens within many many workplaces is absolutely abhorrent and disgusting
1: it, yeah truly 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 is um one thing to just pick up on is, is Margot Robbie's character. Now she is um, actually not based on any real person whatsoever yeah. and I think it's important to talk about that. Um, it, it was invented for the film and it was just a combination of different real life people's experiences uh, and it's all just sort of streamlined into this one character um, to tell more of the story and I think they did a really good job with actually doing that. Yeah, um, Having those three leading actresses in there, Nicole Kidman in there as well as, well as Charlize Theron It just brings the film together. Um, We have to mention as well, uh, John Lithgow as uh, Roger Ailes, um, he was sensational in this movie. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Um, He was evil, horrible, manipulative, but also didn't come across like that,
0: if you know what I mean. this, this real slimy, but at the same time trying to be nice and very clever with what he does the deception of, 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 of taking advantage of of women often young vulnerable women new in the industry where he's basically making them do things that they don't want to do to enhance their careers and it was very very difficult to watch but what amazed me and I know you've got a bit more information than I have about this was the prosthetics the way they transformed him into Roger Ailes was just sensational
1: yeah so Hero is responsible for that transformation um, you know it, it, he He's amazing. He won uh, the Academy Award for The Darkest Hour for the prosthetics there um, after t- turning Gary Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill, which <laughs> literally you know, did turn
0: him into Winston, didn't exactly.
1: he? Exactly. And, um, you know, it, it's fantastic. It really, really is. And he's done a fantastic job there. Um, but I, I feel like he's not going to get much appreciation or much talk about that because the main centrepiece of the film is those three women yeah. going against... Fox News and going against those who are in their workplace who rile around Roger, because Roger is that, such a manipulative character mm. that he is able to manipulate manipulate those around him into believing something that isn't true. Yes. And he does it in such a way. And there's a scene as well that really blew me away, and that was with Margot Robbie and, and Roger Ailes in that room, and they had to shoot that all in one take yes. with multiple cameras because it is just... I think Jay's done the the right thing here as a director. To It's a very difficult scene to, yeah. to do, and I don't really want to go into too much detail because if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth going to see, and we'll, we'll say that straight away. Yeah. You know, it's an Oscar-nominated film, um, so it, it's worth going to see on that back of that as well, but it's still an important film to see whether it was re- nominated at all as well. But this scene was, it was just palpable In in, in you can hear a pin drop in mm-hmm. the room and it was just horrible to watch and for margot robbie to 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 carry out that
0: scene yeah must have been really difficult for her and yeah i think it was just brilliant like you said that scene uh, was very uncomfortable must have been very difficult for margot robbie and it was done in one take director jay roach i think he did a great job at piecing this puzzle together Um, the subject matter was 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 really very very difficult and probably enhanced after the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Uh, But the project was actually in production before the Weinstein scandal and before the Me Too movement. But, Post Weinstein and post me too this film enhances its relevance, and I just wanted to touch briefly upon the prosthetics again. The hair and makeup in this film was sensational. it does receive an, an Oscar nomination for hair and makeup, and it is the one to eight very short priced favorite, so it is expected to win the Oscar for hair and makeup um, but for me craig this this film really comes down to what was said in that clip, and what was said in that clip was "Will other women come forward and that is what this film pivots around because if one woman comes forward and says... Um, this is happening to me blah 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 blah. what will happen is that they will just be shot down like like it said in the clip that their career is coming to an end they're trying to get a lawsuit they're trying to make money will other women come forward and that is not only an important question for this film but it's an important question in society as well that when people are the victims of sexual harassment they should come forward and and rightly so because it's, it's not acceptable Absolutely. And I mean, the film centers on that, that piece that you just said that
1: it centers on whether those other women are going to come forward. And that is where the tension really, mm. really comes from. Um, and it's really important for everybody, if something happens to you, to come forward. And it mm. really does. It, it just really brings out that emotion and, and hits home in that respect. And it is a Me Too movie in in that sense. Um you don't need to look at it in that way. You look at it as a really brilliant, almost political piece of drama. Yeah. And it, it has a really strong
0: central message. And I think that's an important movie to have been made definitely and I think it's important to note as well when Nicole Kidman's character stands up and says this is happening to me and she's asked the question will other people come forward there's a huge wave of momentum against her there's lots of women who are going around cheering go Roger wearing Roger Isles t-shirts and there's the whole sense that the company will back him he's got all the money and all the power behind Mm. him so it's a true story it's a compelling story it's a powerful story and it is a a film that I really think is worth seeing in the cinema for power Powerhouse performances, um, three from the, from the ladies, but also a brilliant um, performance from John uh, Lithgow as well. Um, Margot Robbie also gets an Oscar, an Oscar, an Oscar, <clears throat> an Oscar <laughs> nomination for best supporting actress. So two Oscar nominations uh, and four compelling performances and one brilliant film. Yes, I I don't really have much more to add to this. Do you? I I don't. I, do you know what I do have though, Craig? Mm-hmm. A question. Okay. Bombshell. Is it worth it? Yes, this is a very
1: poignant film. Um, it's one that must be seen in the cinema because it is just so beautifully shot and so wonderfully acted. The big screen will really, really give you that sense of heightened and emotions. Um, watching it at home, I couldn't imagine trying to sit there the entire time um, without pausing it and and all that sort of stuff. But you you want to give it your full attention. Mm. David, Bombshell, is it worth it for you? Yes,
0: 100%. A very powerful, raw, emotional film. A really important subject matter. A very tense score over the top. And it's like a book, you know, a a good book where you can't stop turning the pages. That's what this is. You just want to know what happens next. Uh, And like Craig said, I think it's a great film and one that is 100% worth seeing on the biggest screen possible. So that was our review of Bombshell. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. Bombshell, yeah.
1: So our next movie on week 42 is A Hidden Life. Now, this is based on real events. Uh, it is the story of an unsung hero, Franz Jägerstatter, who refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II. And uh, when the Austrian peasant farmer is faced with the threat of execution for treason, it is his unwavering faith and his love for his wife, Fanny, and children that keeps his spirit alive. Let's take a little listen to a clip.
2: Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle. My best dress. You looked at me, and I knew how simple life was then. What's happened to our country? We're killing innocent people, raiding other countries, preying on the weak. If our leaders, if they're evil, what does one do? You have a duty to the Fatherland. The church tells you so. You cannot say no to your race and your hope.
1: It's you. So that was a clip from the movie there, and actually it wasn't a clip; it was a part, a fragment from the trailer. <laughs> and was, I say yeah. a fragment because this is a really, really long movie, mm. uh, at 180 minutes long. Um, uh. It's it's very long, um, and and the, and the trailer really does basically not doesn't show you the whole movie, but the whole film. When I came out this film, I thought that was just an extended trailer, mm. and I say that in a negative way. Yeah. However. What you hear there is this beautiful, beautiful music from Thomas Newman, um, James Newton Howard, Thomas. Oh,
2: oh,
0: who's Thomas Newman? <laughs> He's another composer. Oh, sorry, James Newton Howard. Yeah, one of my favourite film composers. His scores are sensational. Je- I mean, I I've been listening to it at home. It's a, a mesmerising score, really beautiful. I'd recommend listening to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is almost a character in its
1: own. Yes, the music you're 100% in, in this movie right. and. I I don't know where to start with this review. I'll start with saying Terrence Malick is the director, mm. uh, and Terrence Malick spent nearly three years editing this movie. Did you know that? <laughs> three, I do now. Three years—it's
0: almost as long as the film itself. Yeah,
1: I know it. Uh, it's really hard because this is a really tough subject matter. Mm. Um, it wonderfully shot and it's beautifully done in terms of cinematography there's barely any uh, lights involved in in making this movie it's mainly using natural light and it's stunning and the trailer really does show that but it's that consistently throughout the entire movie there is barely any
0: talking. Prolonged dialogue. Yeah, prolonged dialogue. It does feel very much like an extended trailer. I suppose the best place to start is where I love to start, and that is with the Rotten Tomato scores. It gets 80% from the critics and 73% from the audience. And Terrence Malick has struggled recently with, with some of his films. I haven't got them to hand, but I know critically some of them were really quite slammed. But this is... This isn't a bad film, but at the same time, it isn't a great film. And I want to break it down. In essence, it's a film about a man who chooses prison over fighting for the Nazis. It's set between 1939 and 1943. And when he chooses to stand against Nazism, he's outcasted in his small, tight-knit community. Now, I mean, really bullied and abused and looked down upon. And what this film does have, Craig, is it has lots of themes. There's themes of doubt torment, morality, faith, nature, spirituality, um, and defiance. And it has a very typical Malick style in the sense that it has a voiceover throughout the film. Some people are fans of voiceovers, others aren't. When we say throughout the film, throughout the entire Yes, I mean, literally, I'm not not making it up there. A lot of the film is Malick writing back to his wife and him reading the letters and then her reading the letters. And you heard from that trailer... Oh, I love Just his... clarify, it's not Malik who's writing the letter. Right oh, lab. did I say Malik? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, um, our, our protagonist writing back to his wife. And, you know, there's a lot of slightly self indulgent. You know, I remember when I saw you on that motorcycle with string music over the top. And it is Malik's longest film as well, um, at two hours and 53 minutes. And if you don't like Malik movies, I don't think this will convert you um it, to me it just felt a little pretentious and a little self indulgent yeah i wanted i wanted more of the story i wanted more dialogue and i wanted more from the two fantastic leads because the actors in this are brilliant Now, I can understand a lot of the internal monologue happening
1: in the film for certain parts of it. I mean, when they are separated, internal monologues with the letters would work brilliantly. But even from the very beginning, you have that internal monologue being being said from both the husband and the wife. And it's nice to some extent, but it's just overused. And as you say, self-indulgent, especially Mm. in the wide beautiful sweeping landscapes but it's just constant over and over and over again and i i love these wide expanding landscapes but it just it's just so it's overused in this movie and and as you said we wanted to see more extended dialogue between mm. the characters and I mean, but I suppose this is what we're used to, isn't it? With Hollywood movies, is the ext- is the extended dialogue? I nearly swallowed my own tongue there. <laughs> is this, this is catching, isn't it? And um, no, but I, yeah, I think we both wanted more of that, and I suppose maybe we have got very much so used to seeing that, mm. and uh, maybe we're not used to seeing this. You know, as a as a director who is you is, is sort of like an art house director, really, isn't he? It's, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so indeed. It's um, it's one that it is difficult because he's got his style he's he's set on it um and, we're not
0: and he's saying not really going to break it we're not saying it's a bad film but it is a troubled film craig it's like a rack of ribs oh here we go the food analogies um, it is the best ribs you've ever had Mm. right so you're sitting there and the thing with ribs there's not much meat on the bone and you want more and more of them but then this is 400 yards of ribs so it's just (laughs) too much ribs So much. do you know what I mean mean? ribs are delicious and you're enjoying it and this film is very well made and at times you do enjoy it but then you look at your plate and there's just 400 yards of ribs and you're thinking this is too much ribs
1: you're just full to the brim and you get to the
0: point you get to two hours and you just can't stomach anymore it's too long but at the same time i don't think the problem the the only problem with this film isn't the length it's just a case of it's so frustrating because he's clearly a talented director but you just want to shout get on with it man you know and it is too long and it's such a shame no one wants 400 yards of ribs
1: no no one does an interesting fact here um this is going to be the last film that fox searchlight um put out mainly because Disney bought them and they're dropping Fox Searchlight completely, which is interesting because I wonder what they're going to rebrand it as because there should be more films like this uh, under the Searchlight um, sort of production house or, yeah, production house and distribution Mm. house. Um, They they do find some really sensational pieces of films and they do put it out there and it's like A24 who bring out wonderful films and I hope Disney do continue to bring out films like this Obviously not under Searchlight. It might just drop the name Fox, and it might just be Searchlight. Who knows? But it'd be interesting to see where they go.
0: Go with that. Um, yeah. I mean, before we conclude, I do want to say that it is a very powerful story, mm. and one that needs to be told. Um, and the, the the title of the film is A Hidden Life, and that actually comes from a George Eliot quote that features in the film, and I won't say what the quote is because I think it slightly spoils the film, mm. um, but that's where the title comes from, and it is an important story about a real man, a courageous man, and it's interesting to see a war film, and I'm doing quotation marks, a film around war, where there's almost no violence whatsoever, mm. and it's about this man that battles his own morality And has to make this decision about between what is right and what is wrong. Um, And it's just a shame. That's what I would describe this film as, a shame. Yeah. You know, Malik is usually somebody who
1: breaks up his movies and has a lot of flashbacks. Mm. This is a very linear movie. And it's one that he doesn't tend to do things like that. Um, I feel like this might have worked better if it was done in his usual style of going through with flashbacks and it might have actually ended up being able to be cut down a little bit because of those use of flashbacks. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, another thing to add about the the, the composer, James Newton Howard, what he's done here. Very interestingly, he's really had a really great relationship here with with Malik, in terms of him really putting forward things um, to mix in with with the soundtrack things like the bells Um, And sheep and all of the natural sounds that they recorded during filming, which is a really good way of doing it, a really interesting way, and you can you can hear it in the in
0: the in the trailer clip, the sound of the sighs in the field and stuff like that. It's
1: part of the soundtrack, mm. and it's it's brilliantly done. And I think that really the soundtrack really binds this movie together. Is gorgeous. Remove that soundtrack, and you're looking at quite an uninteresting movie, despite it having a really really powerful message and a really powerful story. Well, you're lost without that soundtrack yeah. a little
0: bit. The soundtrack is the glue that holds this very long film together. Um, it was also quite interesting to see, there was a couple of um, familiar faces um, in there. Not only this is this film about World War II and the Nazi regime, it, it also features two actors who famously played Adolf Hitler. Uh, Bruno Gans, who played the character in Downfall 2004, uh, and Martin Wutzk yes. in Inglorious Bastards. Um, and I thought it was great to see Bruno Ganz in there. And if you haven't seen Downfall, by the way, it is a sensational film and one that I would thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. Yes, I would as well, actually. It's a brilliant,
1: brilliant mm. movie. Um, I think the final thing that I'd really like to add is something a little bit about the sort of cinematography and the sort of cameras that they used, and they really did choose a brilliant camera to shoot this on. And it, it, that's testament to the beauty of this film. Uh, the Red Epic Dragon is a, a really great camera, and it's uh, one that I've... Sounds it,
0: blimey, the it, Red Epic Dragon!
1: Yeah, it's an epic camera. It's, <laughs> Sounds like um, something out of Harry Potter. Well, it has a really wide dynamic range, so it's, mm. it enables you to be able to move from a very darkened environment and still get a good exposure out into the open light... Without it having to negate any of the detail within the darkened shot and it and they've really chosen that well because they what they want to do is really use natural lighting rather than artificial lighting and I did mention that earlier, but it's they've they've really considered everything about this movie in terms of how they're going to shoot it, how they're going to carry it all out, everything about it yet it just doesn't work, mm. which is a
0: real 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 shame, I think yeah um. I don't think I have anything else to add. No, I think. Do you know what? The last thing I'll say is: the more I've talked about this film and thought about this film, it's not as... or is it? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Because I was about to say. I, I was about to say it's not as bad as I first thought when I came out. Yeah. But when I first came out, I it's a very frustrating film. I'm, Craig. I'm going to ask you the question, and it's a real tough one. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> a hidden life. Is it worth it? I still haven't made it up my mind. You know.
1: No. Um. <sighs> Um, I I don't know.
0: Um, we go out of our way to see all the films, even the bad ones. So the listener doesn't have to. So a hidden life, is it worth it? Christ, you put putting me on the spot here.
1: Yes. Oh, I know. Controversially, despite us, you know, what we've said here, it's worth seeing in the cinema environment. I think it's worth seeing. Yes. It's worth seeing in the cinema environment because of just how beautiful this film is. Um, Terence Malick films have a very strong following. And if you love Malick films, yeah, and you, you'll, you'll know if you like Terence Malick films or not, because you've probably seen one and you've gone, yes, I like it. And if you've seen it and you don't like it, you know instantly that you're probably not going to like this movie. I f- it has a powerful, strong message in there. And if you want to see a film that has a powerful, strong message, and you want to see something that's, you know, very long, and it's very beautiful. Go and see this. But if you do not think you can sit through it all, mm. and you you might end up getting quite bored, don't go and see it. It's it's worth. I think it was worth going to see. I think we did get a lot out of it, but we were bored. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, David, a hidden life for
0: you. Was it worth it? I'm. I was going to say no, but I'm going to say yes. Um, Interesting. It's. It's a very troubled film and it's a frustrating film but mm. it's also a film that I think should be seen and I'm I'm literally in in agony here saying this because it, it's it's just very very long it's 400 yards of ribs and look if you want to if you want to tackle 400 yards of ribs go and see this film. <laughs> well that was our review then of A Hidden Life. A long review for a very very long film. It's now time for our third review on week 42 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And we will be reviewing Seaberg. So, what is this film about? Seaberg is inspired by tour events about the French New Wave darling and breathless star Jean Seaberg, played by Christian Stewart, who in the late 1960s was targeted by the FBI because of her support for, of civil rights movement and romantic involvement with Hakim Jamal, played by Anthony Mackie. In Benedict Andrews' Noir thriller, Seaberg's life and career are destroyed by Hoover's overreaching surveillance and harassment in an effort to suppress and discredit seaberg's activism before we go into our review why don't we take a listen to a little clip
2: breathless made you a star of the new wave why do you think the french fell in love with you they fell in love with the character they get me instead and who is that who is Jean Seberg? a million americans look at you and they see an escape They want the girl from the Midwest. It's America's sweetheart. I've been trying to get away from that girl my whole life. This country is at war with itself. Vietnam, the oppression of black people in America. It's the same disgusting racism. The revolution needs movie stars.
1: Who's that? Some actress. Just grabbing some free publicity. She has a history of donations to civil rights groups. She's a sympathizer, sir. I think she could be useful.
2: Must be some kind of crazy to come to this neighborhood in that car. Was it my money you were chasing? Or was it me? (laughs) Hello? Hello?
0: So we'll start off with the Rotten Tomato scores, and it only gets a 39% uh, score from the critics, a 71% score from the audience. But I think, as Craig said earlier, it's important to note that there was only 77 critics that contributed to that 39% score, and from the user ratings, only 21. So it's quite a low number. So the data there isn't as um, valid, as you would say, from... Yeah, I mean... I'll, I it is valid
1: in some extent, but if there was a lot more users, that rating for the audience might go down. If it was uh, a lot more critics who might have enjoyed it, it yeah. might have gone up. And it just doesn't seem like a fair no. rating for the mm. audience score because definitely there were more than 21 people who went and saw it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Without so, doubt. I think more than 21 people have seen this film. I think it potentially did struggle at the box office. But where do we start with this film? Well, let's start with our protagonist, Gene Seberg. Um her off-camera life was fairly tortured and and tragic, to be honest. Yeah. So she she supported the Black Panthers and she was this new wave activist who was going out of her way to fight the political establishment, and this made her an FBI target. Uh, and they basically set out not what they set out to ruin her public image, but what they really did was they ruined her life with these enhanced measures of I was going to say interrogation, but but surveillance. Um, two of our main characters are played by Vince Vaughn and Jack O'Connell. Jack O'Connell plays Jack Solomon, who's the rookie FBI agent, the new guy on the block, whereas Vince Vaughn plays Carl, who's the veteran partner. And they're told, basically, to investigate Gene Seberg's life. And the way they go about doing it is, initially it's just surveillance, and then it's bugging her phones, and then it's putting um, microphones in her bedroom, and it gets more and more elaborate well more and more intrusive and damn right outrageous really Yeah. Um, and Jack O'Connell's character has to genuinely question if what he is doing is right he didn't really go into the FBI um, to do this and the interrogation Craig it it goes too far and it has a genuine impact on Gene Seberg uh, and How do we see that? Well, we see that through Christian Stewart. And Christian Stewart is great. Um, It's a performance that keeps you on the edge of your seat. And what we see is she gradually unravels as the surveillance becomes more and more intense and intrusive. And she becomes very, very paranoid it's justified paranoia everyone else thinks she's going crazy they're watching me they're following me when actually they are um and this really causes her character to start to unravel and it has quite serious consequences for her yeah it really does um the first time i
1: ever saw her in anything was in breathless uh, aka a bout de souffle which was uh, a fantastic french new wave movie um and the way that they've made sort of interwoven Things from the French New Wave, a lot of the music is inspired by it, and the acting as well. They go to flashbacks of uh, Christian Stewart, in, in sort of not impostering, I uh, don't know what to say, here, impersonating <laughs> yeah. Gene Seberg in that movie. Yes, um, the, the typical thumb across the top lip, which was a yeah. f- brilliant, brilliant part of the uh, Breathless. Um, and you know, it. I. I felt this movie had a really good pace. Um, I was hooked, namely because I knew of Gene Seba, but I didn't know about any of this, and it was a really interesting part of her life to get a glimpse into and understand what um, President Hoover did in terms of of being intrusive mm-hmm. in in the surveillance that the F that he made the FBI do, and it was interesting to see that there were members of the fbi who were conflicted by this and Mm. there were others who were just simply getting on with their job and didn't care less
0: yeah and Uh, to have that balance vince vaughn's character was very much like that and i just want to say a lot of people might know vince vaughn for his comedy roles i thought he was superb in this film Mm. i thought he was really really good and there's one particular scene where he's at a dinner table with his family and he has some guests over jack o'connell's uh character jack solomon and his uh girlfriend or partner wife I'm not quite sure which go over to his house for dinner um, and it's done in that very 60s style you know where the women get on with the preparation of the meal and the men are smoking and drinking whiskey had a real 60s feel to it you know those stereotypical roles for women and roles for men, men go to work and, and women stay at home and there's just a moment where he smashes a glass off of the table yeah, and to show his dominance I am the man of the household I am the father you will listen to me and it's in relation to the to the behaviour of his daughter. And it's just one of the most powerful moments of the film. And what this film does very, very well is across all the cast, it's very, very well acted. But what it also has, Craig is superb production design. I thought very much like once upon a time in Hollywood, I felt transformed, yeah. transported um, into 1960s America. Uh, great costumes as well. So that's credit to everyone um, in, involved. I think it's an impressive and well-made film but it's one that i i really 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 enjoyed but also it left me feeling a little bit empty i don't know if you felt the same
1: yeah I mean I did feel a little bit um, intrigued by what happened and I'm not entirely sure if everything happened that they put into this film I don't know whether or not they just use a little dramatic license here in in trying to make it a bit more emotional and a Mm. bit more dramatic you know was her mental breakdown which is essentially what she has did that really happen in the way that it happened we know that she tried to do something to herself um, and whether or did that happen in the way that it was portrayed in this movie we're not entirely sure to be honest with you we're not entirely sure what happened to Gene Seberg after these events Um, it's a very very intriguing movie and
0: it makes you want to go back and watch all of her previous works and research her life and and I imagine a biography on her would be an incredibly interesting read Um, but for me I've got one more food analogy for this week's show another food analogy It, it, it was like a taster menu you know, oh, yeah. you know when you have, like, seven courses, oh, yeah. but they're all really, really small. Yeah. Each, seven, each of those seven courses was absolutely delicious, but at the end of it, you're still hungry. That's how I felt with this film. So all of it was delicious. All mm. of it I really enjoyed. But at the end of the film, I still felt hungry. Now, I don't know whether I was hungry for more of the film mm. or if I was hungry for more information of Gene Seberg, but I just didn't feel that the film was quite as complete and it didn't answer all the questions that it put, po- that it posed. Yeah. I think interesting enough, we just
1: want, I just want to mention, this is a, uh, brought to us by Amazon studios. Um, so this could be coming to Amazon streaming services fairly soon and we will keep you up to date with that on cinema at home. Um, but, yeah, I, I get your analogy there, and I really do take that on board. And I do actually feel like you've hit the nail on the head with that food analogy. And yes. You're, you're pretty you're pretty good with these food analogies, actually. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: When I don't think coming. there's any more today. Oh, there maybe, might be. Maybe, there might be. But, um, <laughs> if you can do it on the spot, amazing. Amazing. But, um, Craig, I think we've uh, discussed this film enough. Um, and I think it's important to note that it is from Amazon Studios. It had a very Amazon feel to it. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah no it does i don't know why but it just did uh but craig i've just forgotten the name of the film (laughs) seaberg seaberg i was going to say gene seaberg is it worth it craig seaberg
1: is it worth it uh yes i think this is a really interesting movie and i think it's played out very well it did have a bit of a a theater sort of production almost going through it i think um in terms of how it played out but I think it's one that should be seen in the cinema. It's a real homage to Gene Seberg. It's a real homage to French New Wave in, in some instances as well. Um, and yeah, it's definitely worth seeing in the cinema. I don't think the critic score matches its uh, its true potential here. Um, and I hope if you can catch it still, if you can see it in maybe one of the art housey sort of mm-hmm. uh, cinemas that have a bit of a delayed release, um, try and catch it there because it is
0: it is brilliant. David Seberg, is it worth it for you? Look, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, like I said, there was—I need to watch it again, and I certainly will watch it when it comes on on Amazon. It—it it didn't quite fill me up, but what it did do was. Uh, just gave me a thoroughly enjoyable movie going experience mm. i thought um jack o'connell was great i thought um vince vaughn was great and christian stewart as well i know she comes under a lot of stick sometimes for her performances and i don't know why i think she's a very talented actress and i thought she gave a great performance in this film and for me yeah 100 percent worth it when it comes on amazon prime i would thoroughly recommend checking it out so that was our review of seaberg and we're going to play a little
1: ad here for Cineworld. now enjoy We love the cinema and we're able to see all these movies with Cineworld's unlimited card. See any film, any time, as many times as you like. Being an unlimited card holder gives you access to all the 2D films you can handle for one monthly price.
0: Be the first to see a movie with special unlimited member advanced screenings and secret screenings.
1: Save on snacks and drinks in the cinema with 10% off in your first
0: year and 25 in your second. Enjoy 25% off food and drink at partner restaurants which includes Yo Sushi, Café Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca and Belgo.
1: All for the monthly price of just £18.40. Apply today using the code IS IT WORTH IT, all one word, to get £10 off your first month with CineWorld Unlimited. So our next review on this week's episode is in fact Parasite. Um, Bong Joon-ho is the director for this film and he suggested when it was screened at Cannes that the press do not release any spoilers because he believes, and as actually we believe as well, this film should not uh, have any spoilers for you so you shouldn't know what this film is about going into it. Go into this film completely blind. Mm. Um, Why? Well, it would just completely ruin... What happens in this film for you? So, with that in mind, there are chapters if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can skip over this review by clicking on the next one. Um, But if you don't have chapters, there will be a time code in the description as to where to pick up the uh, podcast next. If you're listening and you've seen the film and you want to hear our kind of spoiler review, um, carry on listening or pause so you can make yourself a cup of tea and sit lovely and comfortably. (laughs) And we'll start right now. So Bong Joon-ho brings his work home to Korea in this pitch black modern fairy tale. Meet the Park family, the picture of aspirational wealth and the Kim family, rich in street smarts and uh, not much else. Be it chance or fate, these two houses are brought together and the Kims sense a golden opportunity. Masterminded by college aged Ki-woo, the Kim children exponentially install themselves as tutor and art therapist to the Parks soon this symbiotic relationship forms between the two families the Kims provide indispensable luxury services while the Parks obviously obliviously bankroll their entire household when a parasitic interloper threatens the Kims newfound comfort a savage underhanded battle for dominance breaks out threatening to destroy the fragile ecosystem between the Kims and the Parks David where should we kick off this should we kick it off with your Love of Rotten Tomatoes.
0: I think we shall and look at that critic score, Craig. It gets a ninety-nine percent score from the critics and a ninety-three percent critics, ninety-three uh, percent uh, audience score, <laughs> um, and those numbers are sensational, particularly ninety-nine percent from the critics and again ninety-three percent from the audience is brilliant where do I want to start with this film well I thought the fact that it was in a foreign language um, would detach me from the story I thought I would struggle to follow it Uh, I went in completely blind um, and that is the best way to go into it if you're still listening to this review um, you either love us that much that you want to hear the review or you've already seen the film but go in completely blind Um, and actually the fact that it's in a foreign language enhances the film um, and it unfolds with such suspense and great humor it's got outstanding acting, uh, a sensational script, and Bong Joon-ho is in total command of his craft here. It's a comedy thriller, but it's also brutal, powerful, uh, and shocking. And I didn't expect to enjoy this film and i absolutely adored it i think it is one of the best films of the year it's nominated for best picture and it's the only film i think once upon a time in hollywood is dead in terms of its best picture credentials it's it, it struggled really struggled at the baftas yeah um and I think with the preferential ballot, the the only film, it's not the only, there are two films that could beat 1917. That is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. At the moment, Parasite is ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in terms of its momentum. It's also ahead in the betting. Uh, I still think it's got a good chance of best picture because of the preferential ballot, and rightly so. I absolutely adored this film. Uh, I just came out shocked. Um, it was so unique. It was so original. Um, and it was just something that I didn't expect. And I absolutely adored it. Yeah, me too.
1: Um, I quite like foreign films. I like uh, subtitles in films. Um, I sometimes watch the television with subtitles on uh, and the sound off. And I didn't feel like I was detached at all. Um, you went in feeling like you might be detached. Mm. And it doesn't do that whatsoever. It enhances it, doesn't it, it? It does. It really, really does enhance the movie. Um, it is a you know throwback in some respects for for um Junho in some respects because he's taken his filmmaking back to Korea. Um, it's he's having a real glimpse into a, two different lifestyles in Korea. Mm-hmm. It's showing the poor and the rich, and it's a really difficult one in terms of seeing that separation mm. uh, for the audience to see how, how it all works. But it is it is very funny and it's a very hard-hitting piece of drama as well and incredibly well shot. It's a fantastically beautifully made movie. The film does have many nods to Alfred Hitchcock and um, it has this real sense of voyeurism going on. Uh, lots of characters look through windows um, looking on at different characters doing different things in in the film, and there's actually some glimpses of some out of place Hitchcock collections within the park's home, and it's it's a really subtle way of giving some homage to to Hitchcock, and it, it's Hitchcock, sorry. Um, it it is just a really brilliantly well made mm. and layered movie, and the actors have just outdone themselves with this film
0: yeah like you said there was there was two things that really struck me firstly like you said the way it was shot you felt like you were a fly on the wall watching these two different families watching them come together and then watching the um the the action unfold i should say so that surprised me because i felt like i was there almost spying on them i shouldn't have been there but i was looking in and seeing this unfold secondly the humor I was I really laughed in this film a number of times, and I wasn't. I mean, maybe it says a lot about me, but I wasn't expecting this film to be funny. Um, But it is funny, and that's testament to the to the scriptwriters. It's testament testament, uh, to the director, and it's testament to the actors. The fact that they can deliver these lines, and even though it's in a foreign language, it's 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 still funny. It's Mm. it's very well made cinema, um, and a film that I really really enjoyed. So you saw a previous Bong Joon-ho movie recently. Snowpiercer, yeah. That, how did that compare? Um, I d- didn't particularly enjoy it, but you can see similarities in, in his style um, and in particularly in the themes, the themes of um, social inequality, the differences between class, um, the consequences of actions. Um, so yeah, they... they for me, I'd heard a lot of good things about Snowpiercer, but um, I didn't enjoy it as much as uh, Parasite. I thought, I think Parasite is his best work so far. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen all of his films, but from these Rotten Tomato scores, from the fact it's nominated for Best Picture, from the fact that it's going to win Best uh, Film in a Foreign Language at the Oscars, it's obviously already won that at the BAFTAs. Yeah, um, there are comparisons in terms of style. There's comparisons in terms of theme. Um, but for me, overall, I enjoyed Parasite more. Mm.
1: It, it is a really great film um, and as we said go into it blind if you're listening to this we may have spoiled it for you at this point but hopefully you skipped over um, but what is really really great is that he's re-releasing the film uh, in black and white I believe that it's already been out House films might or cinemas might re-release that again um, or
0: have it a bit later and um, I think it would be really interesting to see it in black and white. It'll be very, very interesting, yeah. I mean, I said to you, do you think it's worth doing it in black and white? And you were like, yeah, 100%. It will change the whole overall theme of the film, the feeling of it. It w- What is already quite a dark film at times, I imagine the black and white will only enhance that feeling. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, the cinematography in this film is just outstanding anyway. Um, and its use of colour in the movie is, is really vivid and really brilliant. So to, to dull it down into a real... Black and white grittiness really will add more to the tension when there is tension in the film and it will might even make the humour slightly different in the way that you view it. Yeah. I'm not sure how, but without know, seeing it but I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it it real it will change the feel of the film. As as we said, it's it's a tragic comedy. Mm. It really is. And one that should one hundred percent be seen on the big screen. And I know we haven't asked questions. I don't think we need to ask questions. I mean, we will for standard practice here, but (laughs) it is
0: just a phenomenal piece Mm. of filmmaking. I was, I was really struck and blown away by this. I was, when, when I first saw Parasite, we didn't actually mention it on the first episode of Road to the Oscars. It was a 25 to one outsider for best picture. Obviously it's now four to one second favorite. So, it wasn't a film that I expected to be involved in award season. When it was involved in award season, it wasn't a film I was expecting to like. Having seen it, I loved it. I thought it was, and I don't like brandishing the word masterpiece, but for what it is, it is quintessentially a masterpiece. It was... There are very few films that you can say there's nothing wrong with it, and this is one that comes pretty damn close. Oh, 100%. And at
1: 132 minutes, which is, what, two hours, 12 minutes... Um Perfect length. Perfect length. It, I, I wasn't bored at all. The pace was just so well done. He drink. He br- drinks. He brings you back. He drinks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> drink.
1: <laughs> he brings you back with the pace. He he slows things down and then speeds it up a hundred times the speed and mm. then brings you back down to earth again. And
0: yeah. Oh wow. And what wow. I like about it, it, it simmers, doesn't wow. it? Oh, wow. Owen Wilson there. Um, <laughs> what I like about it is it, it simmers. Like when you're boiling a kettle and it's, and it's just about to go and the water's like, blah, 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 blah. It, This This <laughs> simmers and then it just... Boils over. And then it boils over and it's just wonderful to see. Yeah, it really is. All right. I don't know if we can say much else, to be honest with you. Uh, no, but I think we should ask the questions. Obviously, people who are listening to this have probably already seen it or like us so much. Like I said, they're willing to sort of sit through a slightly spoiler review. We didn't give too many spoilers away. Um, It was difficult, wasn't it, to give a synopsis without spoiling the film. Mm. But Craig, I'll ask you the question. Parasite, is it worth it?
1: Uh, Yes. I mean, you already know if you've listened to the review, whether it was worth it or not, because we've said it about five times already. Yeah. Go and see it in the cinema. Go and see it as many times as you can, because I think it's so worth it watching over and over and over again actually Mm. um it's one that i'm definitely going to be catching at least another two times i reckon
0: yeah oh really wow yeah i definitely will um david parasite is it worth it for you bong joon ho is in total command of his craft it is an almost flawless film 100 percent worth it i cannot recommend this film enough go and see it in the cinema if you don't see it in the cinema um, you know, I would recommend buying it on DVD or digital download or, or finding it on a streaming service as it come out this is 100% worth it and it has a it has a puncher's chance of best picture, it's going to win best uh, film in a foreign language there's no doubt but it has a puncher's chance at best picture why? because it could be number 2 and 3 on a lot of those preferential ballots and it means it could win best picture at the Academy Awards 100% go and see this film Bong Joon-ho, congratulations it's a masterpiece <laughs> no, <laughs> oh dear, that's Craig's new piece of equipment. There, um, he just pressed the wrong button, and we got some sort of organ. Um, but I think that enhanced the uh, the whatever the hell that was.
1: <laughs> that was a clip for the next film. I'm it, sorry. You know what? Here's the right clip that I was going to play.
0: It was this. The outro. Oh, there we go. The, the, it's, we, we're teething. We're teething. But Parasite, go and see it. No doubt. So, it's now time for our next review, and I will be reviewing Just Mercy. So, what is this film about? Well, a powerful and thought-provoking true story. Just Mercy follows young lawyer Brian Stevenson played by Michael B. Jordan, and his history-making battle for justice. After graduating from Harvard, Brian had his pick of lucrative jobs. Instead, he heads to Alabama to defend those who have been wrongly convicted. One of his first and most prolific cases is that of Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx, who in 1987 was sentenced to die for the notorious murder of an 18-year-old girl, despite a preponderance of evidence proving his innocence and the fact that the only testimony against him came from a criminal, with a motive to lie in the years that follow brian becomes embroiled in a labyrinth of legal and political maneuverings and overt and unashamed racism as he fights for walter and others like him with the odds and the system stacked against them and uh, before i go into my review let's take a little listen to a clip
2: first time I visited Death Row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, Mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You only know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God, Mr. McMillan. We are We done here. Mr. McMillan, please
0: so that was a little clip from the trailer there and I think that gives you a real feel for what kind of film this is where will I start my review well I will start it where I like to and that's with the Rotten Tomatoes scores it gets a fant- a pretty solid eight- well very good I should say 84% uh, <laughs> from the critics but look at this audience score Craig 99% audience score from a verified um, 10,238 ratings so the audience really really love this film and, and, and I can see why. Um, We did give a synopsis, but what is this film about? Well, it's really a true life death row tale of wrongful imprisonment, racial prejudice and the battle to overturn injustice. Uh, Like I said in the synopsis, Michael B. Jordan plays a young African-American Harvard law student and he goes down to Alabama where he's soon drawn to the case of death row inmate Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx. He's been convicted of the murder of a young white girl and the evidence is flimsy. Um, at best but what this film really focuses on is unfortunately this doesn't seem to be an anomaly there seems to be a lot of systemic racism down in the deep south and he's going into the deep south and he faces prejudice and this is really shown uh, brutally displayed actually in one highly unsettling scene where Michael B. Jordan's character is going into the uh, prison to meet his client um, and he's forced and to be strip searched and not only is it totally unlawful, it's lawyers shouldn't be strip-searched. They're not criminals. They, they, there's no right for the person to do this. Mm. It's totally humiliating for Jordan's character, and it just shows the systemic racism. It's a white prison officer who's basically using, abusing his power to strip-search him down, and you see him stripped um, completely naked, and it's just very brutal, uh, and it just shows the sort of... Um, things that you know these or this lawyer was up against um initially Jamie Foxx's character Walter is reluctant um to accept his help um he thinks nothing will change you know you heard in that clip god god he, he sees him and he just wants out he's he's been here before he's had failed legal representation and he doesn't think um anything will change um Jordan then comes across another uh, young uh, activist um lawyer played by Brie Larson. Uh, And this is where Jordan and Brie Larson's passion uh, really starts to come out and their characters really start to shine. They set up this legal firm in the Deep South and they're facing hatred, really. Mm. People are not only angered that they're there, um, but they're really angry that they're defending black people on, on death row. And the death row scenes are so emotional in this film. Um, I nearly cried two times and Jamie Foxx is sensational. I'd like to say that an actor called Rob Morgan also plays Herb, um, a PTSD suffering Vietnam War vet uh, who's also on death row. Unfortunately, in his post-traumatic stress state, he ends up on death row for making a bomb and setting this bomb off and killing someone. Now, that may sound like, you know, yes, he's he's done this, He's he's killed someone, what a terrible thing to do, but what you realise is that he's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. He still thinks he's in Vietnam. He's troubled and tormented. He can't forgive himself, and you see him... On death row, and you see the connection he has with Jamie Foxx's character. And then you have Michael B. Jordan's character coming in and giving these guys the legal representation that they deserve because many, many of them are on death row when they shouldn't be. Um, It's a very stirring story a very emotional story, but there's, there's nothing subtle about it. Hmm. So it's very hard-hitting and very powerful. But like I said, there's no subtlety. It's very in-your-face. It feels like the kind of film that could potentially have done um, very well at awards season, but hasn't. And I, think, I think you did mention it. Mm. Um... I, I, I was... I, when I saw the trailer for this and I read about it and I saw the cast and I saw the subject matter, I was really keen on this, hmm. not only to get a Best Picture nomination... But potentially to be a best picture contender, why wasn't it a best picture contender? I think ultimately it was Oscar bait, but the Academy didn't bite. Um, that doesn't mean it's a bad film. It's far from that. I think it's one of the better films that I've seen so far this year. And you know me, I'm—I wouldn't describe me as stoic. I'm not wise enough to be stoic, but I'm—I <laughs> see a lot of films, yeah—and. I wouldn't say you become numb, but y- you'll relate to this. There's a lot of bang average films out there, and you come out of them and you go, That was yeah, all right. Yeah, that was all right. It, it, was, it was a film. This isn't one of those films. Um, this has a compelling storyline. It has a brilliant script. It has powerhouse performances from Brie Larson, from Michael B. Jordan, from Jamie Foxx, from Rob Morgan, like I said. Um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it's got similarities to the likes of Green Mile. Um, obviously, Green Mile takes a bit of a turn and a twist, bit of a supernatural twist. This this doesn't do that. This is mu- yep. this is not only a courtroom drama. This is a political commentary, not only about America in the past but America today. And it was a film that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I thought the performances were sensational. And it was an emotional roller coaster, and, like I said, I very nearly cried two times so i I
1: hadn't seen this film whatsoever. I don't know anything about it other than what you've just told me. um I'm going to try and still catch this movie I, yeah. as I, as we always try and catch everything in, in the cinema anyway um but it sounds like a, an absolutely brilliant piece of filmmaking and cinema, and that leads me to my next question then,
0: David. Just mercy. Just mercy. <laughs> is it worth it? Yes. Look, I think this film is a hundred percent worth it. I would totally recommend going in uh, to the cinema to see it. I think it's it's brilliantly directed. It's very well acted. the The subject matter is really well handled. It manages to be devastating and uplifting at the same time. Um, I'm very, very surprised that Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx didn't get some award recognition. I think if this had come out before Green Book, this could have been the Green Book film. But I think that because Green Book came out last year, this has been somewhat overlooked. And it is a very Oscar-baity film, and I I think basically Academy hasn't bit, whereas with Green Book, I thought that was quite Mm. Oscar-baity. And the Academy did bite. Is it better than Green Book? I actually would argue that there are problems with the film um, a a few but I would say I enjoyed it more than Green Book so for me 100% worth it go and see Just Mercy so that was David's
1: review of Just Mercy I'll get the name right there
0: So it's me again, and I will be reviewing Waves. So what is this theme theme? What is this film about? (laughs) Set against the vibrant landscape of South Florida and featuring an astonishing ensemble of award-winning actors and breakouts alike, Waves traces the epic emotional journey of a suburban African-American family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. From acclaimed director Trey Edward Schultz, Waves is a heart-rendering story about the universal capacity for compassion and growth even in the darkest of times. Before I go into my uh, review, let's take a little listen to a trailer clip.
2: Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know, it's okay if you're not. The table is prepared for you. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. It's not easy out there. Everything I do is for y'all. Everything. I know you're under a lot of pressure right now, but I'm just getting really scared. But you'll have this place to call on. Everything's gonna be okay, all right. We're in this together.
0: So that was a trailer clip from Waves, and we'll kick off in my usual fashion with the Rotten Tomato scores, and they're very similar. Craig, eighty-four percent from the critics and eighty-one percent from the audience, that was a really great synopsis there. Um, But what is the film really about well Tyler is a young man with all the promise in the world but slowly and painfully things begin to unravel this is a very personal look Craig and listeners as well uh, at the pressures of life and what I like about this film is how real it is and how relatable it is um the story revolves around one family with special focus paid to the brother and the sister uh, and the film is almost split into two uh, his story uh, and hers and where do I want to start my review well I want to start with the cinematography the cinematography in this is great it's by Drew Daniels and there's so much vibrancy and warmth in this film it it actually glows and at times the camera swoops and swirls around the characters it almost dances it's like a performance the cinematography in this is something to behold it feels like an artistic performance in itself if that makes sense yes the cinematography is so vivid and real and and active and and, and in motion that it, it really feels like a, a performance. Um, and do you know another thing that's really interesting about this film, Craig, is the use of uh, aspect ratio is superb. Now, three different types of aspect ratio. Um, Ratio were used in this film: one thirty-three to one, one eighty-five to one, and two thirty-five to one. Uh, most of it was shot in one eighty-five to one, with some scenes in one thirty-three to one, uh, and some scenes in two thirty-five to one. And what did that mean? It it meant that you went on a journey with the film, um, and when the the sit screen. Um, tightened up it was when things were getting tough and tense and then when that screen expanded it was to show that there was still hope um, and the the aspect ratio really represented uh, the changing mood um, I just thought that the film oozed style um, and when it works it's up there with some of the best work of the year um, it does miss occasionally, and I think the fact that the film is almost split into two means that it has not an erratic flow, but an, a noticeable change in tone and direction. Um, it's devastating and unlift, uplifting at the same time. Um, it's a real visual um, and emotional roller coaster, and there's a lot of meat on the bone here, Craig. Mm. So that, that split of two different
1: films almost... Is it from two different point of views, or is it from a different
0: a different time or era? No, it's not a different time or era. And it's 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 just analyzing. Firstly, the brother who's played by Kelvin Harris Jr., and then it analyzes the the life of the sister played by Taylor Russell. And it does feel like two. What it is is it's two separate. Stories that are one story, if that makes sense. So they're intertwined. In so a way? what? Yeah. So I'd want to do a non-spoiler spoiler review. So what happens to the brother massively impacts the sister, but w- the first half of the film is really focusing on the, the the brother, and then the second half of the film is really focusing on on the sister, and what happens to the brother massively impacts what happens to the sister, and. What I like about this film is, like I said, there's a lot of meat on the bone. And what do I mean by that? There's lots of themes in here. There's themes of love, uh, loss, family is is really at the heart of this film, redemption, forgiveness, and there's a lot of need for forgiveness in this film. Mm-hmm. Themes of justice, heartbreak, new beginnings, and I've got exclamation mark life. What this film does is show you how someone's life that seems to be going so well can so easily uh, unhinge and unravel and things can go wrong and it shows the overwhelming impact that one moment in your life can have on your whole family and that ripple effect you know when you drop a a stone in, in, in a pond and it's just a tiny a tiny little object but then yeah. those ripples come out and it goes throughout the whole pond that's what this film was like and um, I hope My review has made sense. I've tried not to do too many spoilers, um, but Waves, it gets very solid scores from the critics and the audience, and rightly so. But what stands out for me is that cinematography, is that incredible use of aspect ratio, and the film just oozes style, and it's very, very vibrant, very, very enjoyable, and very, very powerful. One particular moment in this film hit me very, very hard, and I will remember it for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, I, I really, really wanted to see this, but unfortunately it wasn't showing at our local Cineworld world anymore. Um, and I was really disappointed in that. I've just been so busy that I haven't been able to catch it. But Trey Edward uh, Schultz is just a wonderful director. And one film that in particular that I really loved was It Comes at Night. It was just brilliant with Joe Egerton in there. And yeah, uh, just a, an amazing movie. Um, and this is his um, third consecutive collaboration with A24, who seem like the sort of distributor and, and production house that would allow Schultz to sort of do this kind of film, especially with this aspect ratio and um, manoeuvres with the camera. You know, a lot of bigger production companies may not allow mm. films to be that art house with such a powerful topic, I suppose. Yeah. and I, This is from what I'm ascertaining from you as to what the film is about, but... A24 are really a diverse, creative studio
0: Absolutely, that yeah. will
1: allow the directors and writers to do the things that they want to do. And I, I love A24. Yeah. I mean, The Farewell, amazing. Brilliant. um, Just uh, Midsummer, Hereditary, mm-hmm. all A24 films. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what A24 bring out this year. I mean, The Lighthouse as well. Is that A24? That is A24 wow. as well. And and I'm so looking forward to that. Um, what a great collaboration between director and studio. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what Schultz come out, comes out with next. And I can't wait to see Waves because your, your review was brilliant. Um, I'm going to ask you the question, though, unless you've got more to say. I don't think I do, no. Okay. Well, Waves, is it
0: worth it? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's something very special about this film visually. Um, but also emotionally it manages to be devastating and uplifting at the same time you go on a real emotional uh, journey on this film and technically it's very very sound it's got brilliant performances in it uh, and it's just a thoroughly recommendable film and uh, one that I would believe it or not recommend (laughs) so I think I'll leave my review there
1: So it's now time for our next review. And it's uh, Bad Boys Full Life. Full Life. Full Life. (laughs) That was so bad. It really was. And it was the movie as well. Well. Oh, don't say that. Well, well. Listen to our review and you will find out. Well, what's the film about? Well, I haven't really got much of a synopsis here because it's about a lot of different things, but the bad boys, Mike Lowry, played by Will Smith, and Marcus Burnett, played by Martin Lawrence, are back together for one last ride in the highly anticipated Bad Boys for Life. Let's take a little listen to a clip from this very movie.
2: So we're just going to do a knock and talk. What? Hey, look, all our lives, we've been bad boys, all right? Now it's time to be good men. Who in the hell want to sing that song? Good man, good man, what you gonna do? Well, maybe if you sing the song like you meant it, it'll catch on. No. Knock and talk. Yeah, knock, knock. Knock. I need you on your knees with your hands behind your head right now.
1: And there was a clip from the movie. Um, I'm going to kick this review off by uh, just stating that I hadn't seen any of the other films. I Mm. did start watching Bad Boys, number one, um, on Netflix a few weeks ago. For many reasons, I ended up switching it off. Number one reason, I was quite tired. And I think Mm. that's fair enough. Second reason, I was just absolutely sick to death of Michael Bay and his ridiculous sweeping shots, his ridiculous plot that unfolds, um, that ridiculous opening scene in the first movie that just went on for just far too long, the, the annoying comedy that came from the film as well. I just didn't enjoy the, the first half an hour of that film, and I ended up turning it off. And then I didn't catch the rest of it. And went into this movie not really knowing what to expect. Really, mm. you, however, saw both of the first two.
0: Yes, yeah, so I saw the first Bad Boys from 1995, I believe, directed by Michael Bay on Netflix. It's still available. No surprise there. And then I actually uh, purchased on digital download for 2.99. Uh, Bad Boys <laughs> Two. Um, yeah, Bad okay. Boys Two has a scene with Reggie in, which I think is one of the funniest scenes. I've seen in cinema in a long long time. I'd actually seen it before. I'd seen Bad Boys 2. Mm. So I'd seen this clip circulating online. It's hilarious. Um I I have problems. Um not in my personal life, but with <laughs> but with Michael Bay. And yeah. I have to admit that I have a soft spot for two Michael Bay films. That is Pearl Harbor and Armageddon. And that has now become four, because Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2, I think they might have been better without Michael Bay, but at the same time, they weren't terrible films, and I quite enjoyed them. I enjoyed the explosions, I enjoyed the ludicrous plot, uh, I enjoyed the comedy, um, and I went into this feeling like a bit of a Bad Boys fan and was really looking forward to it. What was the film like? Well, the first thing I would say is that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are much older now and they much much older. And they don't ignore that. They they sensibly realize that physically these guys aren't what they used to do particularly Martin Lawrence. I mean Will Smith doesn't seem to age, but Martin yeah. Lawrence clearly has aged a bit. And what I like about it is it, it, they are still bad boys and there's still that bad boys humor and there's still that fast-paced action and ludicrous explosions and fairly unbelievable plot. But they do pay respect to the fact that they are getting older and, and I do like that um, it gets a, a very solid 77% from the critics but look at the audience score 96% Craig and the first thing I would say uh, about this film is we saw it in a, in a really full packed cinema and yeah. um, there were lots of people in there eating lots of popcorn and lots of slurping and there was lots and lots of laughing and what I enjoyed about this film a couple of times I did go ooh that didn't quite hit and oh, that 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 dialogue's a bit ropey and all that's a little bit too over the top. But when the comedy hits, the comedy was funny and you've got to admit, even you laughed out loud a number of times during this film.
1: Well, yes. I obviously wanted to kickstart off with the the previous two films that I hadn't really seen um, and kind of hated the first half an hour of the first one. But going into this one, I, I had no expectations as to what this was going to be like other than the fact that I was probably going to hate it. But I came out this film not hating it. Mm. Yes, it was ludicrous. Yes, it was funny. Yes, it was still pretty bad. But, but, I still really, really enjoyed it. Now, I think the directors here have got rid of a lot of the Michael Bay-isms. They did pay homage <laughs> to some of the shots that he does, the typical sort of swooping round shot that Michael mm. Bay does, um, You know, and even included Michael Bay in the film yes. as, a, as a little tribute there. Um, but... It, uh, It's a difficult one, really. I mean, the audience scores reflect exactly what people have gone in for and they've gone in for a bit of a jolly, a bit of a popcorn and chill out kind of movie and have a bit of a laugh. And that's exactly what you get from this movie. And that's what I got from it. I didn't get anything spectacular from it. I didn't get any sense of morality. I didn't get any sense of (laughs) bringing me back to Earth with, uh, with some kind of, you know... see a scene stealing like amazing acting there was none of that it was just a typical Will Smith kind of film that you know I mean it wasn't Gemini Man Gemini Man was totally awful yeah but this was better Mm. the action was okay as you said they did noticeably you know hit upon the fact that they are aged men now and that they are still pursuing similar careers and that they have to maybe Forgive themselves for some of the things that they can no longer do. Um, the toned down introduction that was very similar to Michael Bay's first intro for the first film it was much better, and I enjoyed it a lot more. They played a lot of played on the humour of what happened in that first opening scene, yeah. which I then commenced to turn off on the first film. So it it wasn't bad, mm. but it wasn't good.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like I said, if I was reviewing this totally blind, um, I think that I would have given it a slightly worse review. Obviously... the first Bad Boys film came out in, I believe, 1995. I hope I'm not wrong with that, but it was certainly in the mid-90s. So we're talking quite a number of years ago, uh, and obviously people would have grown up in their teenage years watching that, and they've other people would have been similar age to the Bad Boys and would have grown up with them. So there is a sense of it is not an iconic, but it's a, it's a known franchise. Mm. And having seen the first two films, and I do think if you'd have stuck with them, you would have hated them, but... It's almost a guilty pleasure. It's a typical... The first two are typical Michael Bay guilty pleasure. If you do find some of his films guilty pleasures, like I said, Pearl Harbor and Armageddon, two of my guilty pleasures, and now Bad Boys. I I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I really did. I know you've got some interesting facts about the way this film was shot um, in comparison to the first two films. I know you like your technical stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean it's one of the first bad boy movies to be filmed in Panavision which uh uses these really lovely anamorphic lenses and that really does show especially when it's uh paired up with a really really amazing Sony camera, the uh Alta Venice 6K camera. They it, it's really great, but with the with the editing involved to make that really look like uh a 35mm film, it they really had to put some grain back into it and mm-hmm. make it really feel less digital. So it almost sort of conceded the point of why would you use a really high end camera 6K and and not just shoot it on film the reason why that is is just because it speeds up production and that's simply it does it have any bearing on how this film turned out probably not at all i, I mean what was the point of using those things if you're not going to if it's just going to turn out to be like this i don't mm. know i mean it you know when you use anamorphic lenses and and, and make it a a a, a 235 to 1 aspect ratio a very cinematic looking film you want to pair that with a really light hard hitting drama of some sort mm. you know that's you know what we've just talked about in waves you know yeah, using yeah, yeah. the of, of different aspect ratios this didn't really have any bearing on that i don't think um it still looked great, but I, the, the subject matter and, and the story didn't really make much of a difference for that. And I, I don't know if you agree with that or not. But did you even
0: notice these things? Not really. But I thought I'd throw that over to you because I know how much you love your technical <laughs> stuff. But overall, I think we've we've covered a number of bases with this film. Um, I still I still think. It's a guilty pleasure for me uh, and one that I would recommend but I'm going to ask you, unless do you have any more to add Well all I was going to add really is if you are a
1: big fan of the original Bad Boy films you're going to go, you're going to love this movie and I think yeah. David you've enjoyed it you've loved it you've you've liked it a lot more than I have and you enjoyed the first two movies and yeah. and and as you said it's a, a somewhat guilty pleasure yeah. but I mean for me yeah I, no So Craig Bad Boys for Life is it worth it Um no for me unfortunately fair
0: enough Fair enough for you yes look I think um, you don't have to have seen the first two films to have seen this one I would recommend seeing the first two films before you see this one like I said Bad Boys is available at the moment on Netflix but look if you like the first two Bad Boys you'll like this one there's plenty of humour in there and it's got a 96% rating from the audience for a reason audiences love it and I was someone that really did quite enjoy this film bit of a guilty pleasure for me yeah. so that was our review of Bad Boys Full Life
1: So it's now time for our final film on week 42 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And this is the personal history of David Copperfield. Uh, what is this film about? Well, from birth to infancy, from adolescence to adulthood, the good-hearted David Copperfield is surrounded by kindness, wickedness, poverty and wealth as he meets an array of remarkable characters in Victorian England. As David sets out to be a writer in his quest for family, friendship, romance and status, the story of his life is the most seductive tale of all let's take a listen to a clip from this movie
2: this narrative is far more than mere fiction am david copperfield i am indeed it is the true story of the life i was about to lead your mama is ill how old is she very ill dangerously ill she's dead we're very sorry I can easily recall people of strong character. Good
1: morning! Good morning!
2: Is it too early for Sherry. A little,
1: and little early.
2: And weave their memory. Come in! Form a queue. Into my life's journey. We're ruined. Like a castle. Ladies! How can we be ruined? Right? Like a big castle. Pets!
0: We could keep him as a little pet. a joke. I'm sorry. I've been attempting to learn gentleman's humor from a book. This calls for a celebration. Hooray! This is a remarkable day. Did you hear that?
2: I'm a huge maniac. What an adventure we have had.
0: Huh? What in your head? What are you doing?
1: Medicine, reviving you.
0: This is salad dressing. Is it? <clears throat> Thank
2: you.
1: Um... Sorry, what was your name? So there's a... Uh, well, it wasn't really a clip, was it? It was a bit of a off-key trailer, I suppose. It was the trailer. It yeah. was the trailer, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> what can we say about this movie? Well, let's start off with the fact that this is a Charles Dickens uh, novel converted into a film adaptation. And really and truly, uh, this film... It's a bit of an Oscar bait kind of film. I think David will actually decline that status for his own opinion, um, as we have briefly discussed it ourselves. However, in my opi- in my opinion, mm. this is quite Oscar baity kind of film, but it's not going to be nominated, as we already know, um, and it won't ever be, simply because it's of the not way. Really good. <laughs> Wait for it. You can have your say in a minute. Um, the reason is because the way they've released it now, they believed that it wasn't going to... The edit wasn't, wasn't finished, basically, for a certain time of period, uh, for that time for the Oscars to have it. And uh, then there was lots of other films coming out that were taking up screen time uh, in, in the theatres. So what they've done is pushed it back quite considerably in the US to the May the 8th. Is when it's going to be coming out in the US, which means it completely bypasses the Oscars and the award season for for twenty twenty. Um, or it's not twenty. Well twenty nineteen, really, isn't it? Oscars, um, yeah. essentially. So in that respect, it completely misses out on going for those awards. Um, it's another Fox Searchlight movie, which obviously Disney isn't going to be um carrying on the Fox Searchlight um branding, as we've already stated previously. Um, and I, I'm going to say that I really, really did enjoy this movie. I found the humour really, really off-key and and brilliant, and I thought the acting in the film was superb. It really Mm. followed suit. It's a very strange and weird adaptation of a Charles Dickens novel, but one that really brings it up to date in that Victorian era, in a, in a strange and mysterious way, uh, just yeah. Uh, but David's
0: looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" I mean, the, the first thing I'll touch upon is the cast. So we've got Dev Patel, Peter Capaldi, uh, Hugh Laurie, uh, Tilda Swinton, um, Benedict Wong. Um, two Wongs can't make this film right. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're wrong. But um, you're Wong. It's. Uh, do you know, th- this is really bizarre, Craig. When I saw the trailer for this film, which is what we just played the wonderful listeners there, I really, really laughed. I thought the trailer looked brilliant. I thought the, the humour looked hmm. funny and off-key and it was quirky and I thought it was going to be like a Wes Anderson film uh, and I was expecting it to be really fast-paced and witty and smart and funny. I didn't find it to be any of those things. I found it to be a, a, a really uneven narrative. Um, I found a lot of the humour not to have landed like it didn't because what it did in the trailer, if you noticed, it was joke after joke after joke, and it was very quick. And I was expecting the film to be like that, but it wasn't. It had these moments of prolonged dialogue and tried to have some sentiment in there, when, whilst at the same time being funny. And I wasn't quite quite sure what the film was trying to do. Was the film trying to take me on an emotional journey and be like a a real um real life sort of portrayal of this famous story or was it trying to be that quirky comedy I found it to be very confused I will say sorry go on no interrupt
1: me okay well in regards to your uneven narrative the reason why it's doing that it has a very unreliable narrator mm, no in, in David Copperfield who is regaling his tales of his his childhood and adolescence and all the way up through to his current state in adulthood and it's a way of you know you having a a, a very fun interaction with David Copperfield of all the things that he's been through from tragedy all the way up to mm. humorous adventures and it really takes you to to the to you have to visually see it in this sort of sense, and they really captured what Charles Dickens really was trying to go for. I think in 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 that novel, and I think it's yes, it's off key. Yes, it's it's uneven in narrative, but it's supposed to be one hundred percent supposed to be. You're not supposed to look at it and take it as fact because you're you. As I said, is he's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. It is him telling his story, but he's he's taken creative liberties of what he's doing because mm. you know you go he has things written in the story that he ends up deleting in yeah, in yeah. what we see which is brilliant i thought that was fantastic and and you know that's what it's all about it's about his memories and how reliable are his memories and what he's written down from from his past is that really what he saw as a child you know mm. all of those things and it's 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 dark and funny at the same time in in the sense that he was You know, beaten as a child. Yeah. You know, that's dark, but done in a humorous kind of way. And that's really off-key, but brilliantly done, I thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, if if you have seen this film and you enjoyed this film, or if you're thinking, oh, should I see it or shouldn't I see it, it gets a 95% score from the critics. That's from a total count of 77 critical reviews. So, look, according to the critics, this is a very, very good film. I've read a lot of reviews for this film, and they've all been very, very good. I went into this film two things, maybe three, possibly four. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> I went into this film very, very tired. And in a very, very bad mood and expecting it to be very, very good. So I'm wondering if that that combination of being tired, being a bit, off key, being a bit of a bad mood and expecting it, because the trailer, the trailer clip we just played is fantastic Yeah, but I just didn't think the film lived up to the trailer, to me I always warn about very good or very long trailers, to me that was a very long, very good trailer but all the best bits, a lot of the best humour of the film was in that trailer Yeah, no,
1: I I agree with you on that front but I do believe your two points as to why you don't like it, or why you might not have enjoyed it, the bad mood and, and the tiredness does impact you in the way that you view a film? Look at our review of Bad Boys. I, I was really tired watching the first film and I just was sick of Michael Bay, so I mm. turned it off and never revisited it again. Yeah, you know, it does so have it an does, impact, it does have an impact, it does yeah. have a huge impact. Now, when I went to see this film, I was wide awake, I was wired, I had a nice, I'm wide. I, hope, I'm wide. <laughs> I was wired, I hope not too wired. I was, yeah, I was wired, I was wired with. Lattes and oh, legal chocolate.
0: substances. Oh, of
1: course, always, always, <laughs> David. I mean, always, always. <laughs> you know, it is. It is an enjoyable movie. It is a funny movie. It does have that Wes Anderson feel, but in the sense of the humour that unfolds, but not in the sense of the film style, in the way it looks, and the way it's mm. shot, and the way it's edited. Should that be a reason to go and see it because you think it might be a Wes Anderson kind of film? No, not at all. I think, I think you go and see this because you may have read the Charles Dickens novel. I think you go to see it because you you've seen the trailer and you think it looks enjoyable, um, and I think you see it because it has an, an absolute stellar cast yeah. as well and well acted as well. It they really did outdo themselves. with with their acting. And I think their humour comes out. Dev Patel is just a phenomenal actor and he's done some really fantastic stuff. Is this his best film? Probably not. But does he capture the imagination of Dickens fans, I think he absolutely does, and and I
0: love this movie. I mean, I will give it some credit. Um, like I said, it's got a stellar cast. I thought there were some very good performances in there. I have just written down on this piece of paper Dev Patel. I just wanted to mention him. I think he does give a, a very good performance. I like the contrast between poverty and wealth, and uh, I think it really does capture Victorian England very nicely so I think the yeah. pro- production design is 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 very very solid I think the costumes in it are very very good I just didn't enjoy this film as much as I wanted to and that's a shame it is a shame I mean maybe you should give it a rewatch at some point but you know go with it go with me to see it and I'll uplift you before We've you got go a lot in. of films to see I'm not sure we'll be able to squeeze this one in but what we will be able to squeeze in unless you have anything else to say uh no Is the question. So, Craig, the personal history of David Copperfield, is it worth it? To me, this film is definitely worth seeing in the cinema. Uh, It is a
1: shame that it's come out late for any Oscar nominations, because I think it could have been nominated for a couple. David's probably thinking absolutely not. But, you know what, I really did enjoy it, and I found it funny and enticing and very vivid in nature,
0: and, and, yeah, really loved it. For you, David... I'm going to say the personal history of David Copperfield is not worth seeing in the cinema. Uh, I just really didn't enjoy it. But, like I said, we we do this podcast to let you know what is worth seeing. Craig enjoyed it. It got a 95% score from the critics. So, in other words, my review is wrong. But, no, for me... No, 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 no. Your review is not wrong, David. It's your opinion. Yeah, I know. And it's not a wrong opinion because it's your view. But, do you know, Okay, my view is in the minority, It gets a 95% critic score. Um, There is some good things going for it, but for me, not worth it. I didn't really enjoy it.
1: Okay. So we're coming to the end of the show um, and uh, we just wanted to play a little ad here um, for Patreon. Um, We really do have to put a lot of hard work into making this uh, podcast work and there's a lot of us working on it now and there are some fantastic Patreon supporters that are currently supporting us and we thank you very very much Um, and this is why we need your help We interrupt this broadcast of Is It Worth It the Film Review podcast for an important announcement.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast, we would like to remind you that you can now become a Patreon supporter for as little as $3 a month. This helps the podcast to continue to grow as well as offering the potential for bonus content and Is It Worth It merchandise. Your support helps the podcast stay alive. So why not become a Patreon supporter today? Head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Is It Worth It podcast.
1: And we've now come to the very end of this episode.
0: (laughs) That was such a deep, deep voice. You came back in there and welcome (laughs) back to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you very much for listening to week 42 of Is It Worth It? Um, As we just said in the Patreon ad there, You help us stay alive in some (laughs) respects. Um, We do put a lot of hard work into it and we appreciate everything that you do. Patreon is a way of you supporting us and allowing us to carry on doing and producing even more content for all of you wonderful listeners. Um, So if you have enjoyed the show and enjoy what we're about to put out at some point in the near future with the Star Wars special, the further topical talks, the final road to the Oscars, end of the road, um, season one, um, all of those things. Um, is made possible because of our current Patreon supporters yes. and our community of of people who listen to the show and that's what Patreon is all about it's about uh, building a community together and contributing in in a financial way but at the same time it's interacting with us and it's also just allowing us to grow a bit more and mm-hmm. and and do even more wicked stuff Um so thank you guys um if you want to get in touch with us there are various ways of doing it one of which is via email can you remember the email address david my mail is worth it
0: at is it, worth it yeah. What's that, that email is, address? That is my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. Craig was trying to catch me out there thinking <laughs> always, that I, I didn't know the email, but alas I've learned it. What are the other ways our wonderful, wonderful listeners can get in contact with us, Craig? Well, they can get in contact with
1: us via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, you know, slide into those DMs on Instagram as we all love hearing from you. Um, you can find those social media accounts on our website. The website is www.isitworthitpodcast.com. Um, you can find all the links to all of the episodes, all the previous episodes, um, and all the information about us and everything else about the podcast. It's all on there. Um, and you can www.it, basically. Um, so, without further ado, thank you very much for listening.
0: And goodbye. Thank you very much.